The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is Mizzou's assistant to the traveling secretary for bowl appearances, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And, of course, Brian Goers, Texas State Fighting Armadillos backup quarterback. Howdy. So, fellas, we've done it again. Another year of Tiger football is complete. The book is closed on Mizzou football with a rousing loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks, 28-3. It's also over because Mac Rhodes announced very recently that despite the fact that we more than likely would be invited to a bowl game with a losing record, uh, nuts to that. Yeah, and I think a lot of Tiger fans said good on you because, uh, one, I don't think we could win a game, another game. Two, uh, Pinkle has been, you know, I guess cast aside, and, and Andy Hill has been named the interim head coach since the completion of the Arkansas game, mm-hmm. and uh, and nobody cares, and, and it's time to close 2015's well, yeah, book. I mean, it was time to close it after be BYU, here. frankly. I mean, much of the staff's not going to be here. These guys are going to be thinking about where their next paycheck's going to come from, not game planning for a meaningless bowl game. Yeah, played in a Christmas high day school. Or yeah. Played in a high school stadium in Shreveport. Well, except that the one big downside to this is you ask a lot of these college coaches, and they'll say the the bowl game itself is is a nice way to cap off the season, but that extra practice time is is huge for practice time for what, Brian? For For an offense we won't run next year. Well, you know, or a defensive coordinator who won't be your defensive coordinator next year. I was just thinking we could like throw a whole bunch of footballs at our wide receivers to see if they could catch any. Like every day. That's a great plan, Brian. But I'm not sure. Coach Henson would allow for it. I mean, unless those receivers are going to stand in the flat, um, I don't think that's going to be in the game plan. The yeah. football is brown! So, but anyway, you mentioned that we played Arkansas, Brendan. Arkansas are new rivals mm-hmm. in the SEC. Do you, feel, some. do you feel rivaled? Well, I feel um, like uh, this game certainly didn't have the feel of a rivalry game, uh, partially because the outcome was basically decided uh, three games ago uh, when Arkansas decided to score 50 points a game consistently and we decided not to score ever at any time for any reason. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I didn't really want to watch the game. Players obviously didn't want to play the game. No one wanted to go to the game. You look at the stands, it looked like an absolutely miserable night in Fayetteville, and uh, nobody was there. Well, you know, and, and I and think... Was, I, every, I mean, it was Gary Pinkle's swan song. The great coach at Mizzou, and yet it was just like, can we get this thing over? It fast was more now? of a chicken hawk song than a swan song. Yeah. One might call it a Jayhawk song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, for all the uh, SEC folks out there who think the conference is a unbeatable juggernaut, 
and the fandom is crazy, I point to that game. Like, even though Missouri is a downtrodden team, it's a little SEC team against your you know, the, the Arkansas Razorbacks that you claim to love so much, and you still got 13, 14 people tops in that stadium to watch that game. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of there factors going against yeah. it. I mean, yeah, I mean, the game itself isn't really worth even talking about. I mean, I, I've been ready to close the book on this season since BYU, since since the rousing win at Arrowhead and, um, it, you know, and Pingle announcing his departure. Yeah. We just played so badly, and we knew we were going to have a head coach coming into 2016. Oh. I, you know, just, I don't know. I, I didn't care about an Arkansas game. I, I, I would have loved to win. Sure. Had the win, obviously, but it just there's no way in a million years. I never felt less confident going into a game than I did against that game. Well, it's it's frustrating. I think mainly for for two reasons for me. One, it, it's Pinkle's sort of final game, like you were saying, his swamp. It's not sort of his final game. It is his final well, game. Right, right. <laughs> it, it's his it's his final game, and and sort of it, it's just an egg. You know, it's just like a bleh of, no, of it into his. Word, Brian. Mm-hmm. Right, no. A rancid cat turd covered in hair. I mean, Pinkle in, on fire. I think is you could make the argument that Pinkle's been the best football coach in Mizzou's history. Sure, you I could don't make think that's that. even an argument. Well, and, I mean, I don't know. I think there is an argument. Dan Devine had a decade well, of sure, of yeah, exactly, high and that's who prominence, I, yeah. But but so you you can make this argument that with the competition with the teams that you're playing, that this is you know the best coach we've ever had at Mizzou, and it ends with. The final two games that are just like well, I think nobody's going to remember these games. Well, I that's the awful. plus side of it. In I, I, five years, no one is going to remember how we went out in a fucking whimper. I think yeah. for me, what puts Pinkle ahead of Divine is having to change conferences all at once. You know what I mean? To the to the perennial strongest conference in college football, and then going to that conference and in four years winning two division championships. Yeah, and I'm to take nothing away from Divine. It's just that Divine. Never had to do that. Many coaches, most coaches will never have to do that to go, hey, we're going to take this conference you've been in for decades. We're going to pull you out of it. We're going to throw you ass over tea kettle into the best conference in the USA. And oh, please succeed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's a Herculean task. And I, don't, I think time pulling the back from it in the future, people will start to recognize what a Herculean task that was. I think it will define Gary Pinkle's career and his quote-unquote greatness because of what he did in a conference change. I mean, it's it's something that is not asked of coaches and programs, and he did it, and he not only did it, he did it extraordinarily well. And, I, think, uh, um, I think his legacy will be determined in no small part by how Missouri plays in the next five, ten years, because if Missouri continues to have success and put together, you know, ten win seasons, big bowl game, national title contention seasons, then uh, Gary Pinkle will be looked on as the guy who brought the program to life. Built that foundation. Whoever takes them to that level, Pinkle will be the godfather of the program. And, uh, you know, and if, if, uh, if we start to founder again and we have a decade of doldrums like we did in the 80s then it'll look at like oh look what pinkle did you know we, missouri couldn't keep it going but uh, mm-hmm. he had a, he had a great run either way it puts a nice little shine on pinkle right but uh you know certainly hoping that we can can go off of his success and you know we want to apologize because we we promised you guys we would have a midweek show last week and we lied we didn't because 
Thanksgiving holiday got in the way. And then uh, Cursed family. Tuesday night as we record this, so we were a little late on the Arkansas game as well. But a lot of it has to do with just like, our, you know. Apathy? Apathy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we're in a completely different phase. I mean, whereas normally on a normal show we would be talking, you know, in depth about how the game proceeded, what it means for the future. I think now we're looking at what it means for you know, we're not even talking about the rest of the, there is no season left and we don't know what our coach is going to look like. We don't, the only thing we do know is we've reached the conclusion. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Illusion of the Josh Henson era of Missouri offensive football. Thank the sweet, sweet Lord above. So I'm going to, I don't know about you, Colin. Josh Henson's been a friend of the show. I'm going to miss that guy. Sure. I mean, he came on the show when many, many, many coaches would not. Right. You know, I mean, he, we, he got, we got that exclusive interview and I'll be eternally grateful for that. Sure. Sure. And, you know, it, sure. He had one of the worst offenses in all of college football history. History. <laughs> we live but, live uh, off that word. But he was a chummy guy. Seemed like a nice sure, fella. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Nice. I'm going to miss him because there's no doubt in my mind. He's fucking gone. <laughs> well, uh, miss is a strong word. I straight up hate Josh Henson. I've never met the man in my life other than to talk to him on the phone, obviously. Obviously. And that, um, yeah. it's a, what he did to our offense. I, I said it before. I'll say it again. The most irritating thing about Josh Henson and this offense was that we lost to Georgia 6-9. to nine. Florida is not a dominant team. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have won – the mm-hmm. SEC East for a third straight year. We had the, certainly had the defense to get the job done. If we it, averaged like 15 points a game. Well, I, we talked about in earlier shows that if we <laughs> just, had to do. you mm-hmm. know, a mediocre offense at the NFL level, basically that, that threshold is somewhere between 17 and 20 points. And yeah. it's probably a little higher than that for college because there's so much more scoring. If we just had a mediocre offense, 99.9% of these games we would have won. You yeah. know, and it, even with the Mississippi State game, like where they scored more than like a 21 point, so theoretically we may have lost. 
had we had an offense who had the ball for any amount of time and gave the defense some rest and didn't give them so many op- offensive opportunities, we very well could have won that game. He completely derailed what could have been a great season. Yeah. Completely derailed it. Yeah, and I think um, he'll pay the price because he's he's going to certainly be gone. Yeah, he's going to be flipping burgers. He, him and TJ Mogan be working the griddle together. But since he has given us many, many years of uh, service, I think it's only fair that we give him a just tribute. So. Sure, absolutely. I mean, he's he's on his way out, and uh, he was a Mizzou Tiger, and he did was gracious enough to give us an interview. So I feel like a tribute to us is, is – It's certainly in order. Sure. And, uh, you know, we being the classy folks that we are here We're at the Mizzou Classy, we'd like to present you with this tribute to the great – Josh Henson. I'm Josh Henson. I'm an offensive coordinator, offensive line, tight end coach here at the University of Missouri. Spend all your time waiting for that second chance. Pressure, trying to escape, and is taken down right at the line of scrimmage. some reason to feel not good enough, and it's hard at the end. Assignment-wise, we've been pretty solid. I mean, there's technique things we've got to clean up, you know, every day, and that's part of why you practice to get better. Hansborough hit in the backfield. Penetration by Gannis. Jake Gannis, the transfer from UAB, who played a terrific game at Tennessee, comes through, and it's suddenly fourth and goal after a first and goal at the one. In the And I'm an offensive coordinator, offensive line, tight end coach here at the University of Missouri. Colin, you pass me the Kleenex. Yeah, sorry. I, that's tough. I'm sorry, I'm choking I feedback. Wish, I wish heavy. the listeners could see Brian shake his head in disgust <laughs> as those clips play. <laughs> yeah, the, the sad part about that is that could have been an hour. Yeah. <laughs> of, oh, of oh just, just of the commentators just going, huh? <laughs> yeah. Grasping for at you know, anything positive to say about our offense. I mean, just just think back to how many games you've been watching the TV, listening on the radio, and you just hear, and no one is open, or and that run goes nowhere, or Mizzou has abandoned, yeah, whatever, or abandoned playing offense more or less. Mizzou punts again, mm-hmm. or you know, another third down not converted. Like it just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> monumental year. Well, I, that's one thing I'll say about the Arkansas games. They they played a very balanced offense, running and passing, kept the uh, Mizzou defense on its heels. But it was a balanced offense. They were running, they were th- the ball well, then they would work in some play action, and the tight ends were open, and receivers got open. I just it, it makes me sick because I watch it. And I go, how are they getting open? We're never this open. There's always somebody around. Uh, 
we're completely blanketed on every offensive play. <laughs> you know, what is going on? It just and when you see another team whose offense is working, it just it just makes it that more that much more uh, glaring how bad ours is. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we're playing Georgia, like he, like I said, and winning or losing nine to six, it's it's almost uh, glosses it over. But when you play Mississippi State or you play Arkansas and they're putting up points and you see what a good offense is capable of, it just makes it flat out fucking depressing. Well, and we've just had years of a spread offense. You know, there was a good early part of the decade of our success. We, we just had a really potent offense and yeah. the defense was the issue of anything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you get used to that and, and we get the ball on the one yard line and you have the, you just look at it and think, I don't know if we can poke it in. I will never. It's so frustrating. And we I, couldn't. I will never <laughs> for, forgive Josh Henson for, if one, one thing for sure is that, I will never forgive him for making me miss Yoast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yoast. If for no other reason. <laughs> yeah. Then like like if you made me miss Yoast. Yeah. That's how bad you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it was it just frustrating. I mean there's there's no doubt about that. And the thing that I think uh, that's just the top it all off is they made no noticeable changes mm-hmm. throughout the course of the year. No. Yeah, and then I mean that's that's the key to him being a bad coordinator was that Clearly, we had we had issues, and nothing uh, changed, and, and nothing changed. And well, and I, I mean, I, I not to kind of change the subject at all, but you look at what we went through as a team this year. It was really kind of a cursed season, and uh, you know, starting off with Harold Brantley getting into his freak car accident. You know, one of our best players on defense, which really didn't end up hurting us that much, as good as our defense was. Well, I think, but Beckner it was a, had a big part of playing that. He really sure came. But, a, came, came but, but came, what I'm getting at is, we started out of the gate with a sure with sure. a kick in the nuts. Well, and, and Hansborough first play of the game. Hansborough first play of the game. Matty Mock completely just going imploding. berserk. Yeah, yeah, imploding. You know, your starting quarterback basically just decides that he turns into LeBron James with chalk before games and just throws cocaine into his face. And right, poof. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> one thing. After the other, and then and the offensive line just no showing for the season as a senior group. And I didn't like the play last year, and but I thought, hey, they got a little more seasoning. That's bound to help. It, it was tough, and you know, it, it's funny to watch. You know, on Twitter and fans talk about this, and and they talk about how you know, well, if if uh, we started seeing some tweets there late in the season about like, oh, if we had Mock, you know, this would be a completely different season, which I don't think it would. Mock be. got beat I by Kentucky. I don't yeah. think people remember uh, that. But so then somebody will try to try to comment and be like, well, you know, if we had a running quarterback, our running game would be better. Yeah, it was a doomed season, and, and Henson was part of that doomed season. I mean, it was diminishing returns every year that he's been here. The offensive got progressively worse each season, and like you said, I, it wasn't just not changing the game plan from week to week, Brennan. It was the in-game adjustments as well. I mean, he never seemed to recognize the situation, never seeming to recognize the personnel he had on the field. He, to me, was guessing most of the time. He was pretending to be an offensive coordinator. You know, he was doing what he thought an offensive coordinator does. He was just, but he, he doesn't, he's not naturally doing it. He's just going, an offensive coordinator would call a play like this. And yeah. he, but he had no reason or rhyme behind it. I think, I think my chief complaint, though, would, would be, would be the in between the games. And, and I just don't, it's just bad coaching when you have players consistently make the same mistake over, and over and over again. And then to me, that falls back squarely on him. When you have receivers who run routes into the defensive scheme as yeah. opposed to into an opening, yeah. like that just, that, you know, 
it's not natural to do that. So clearly they've been coached to run to that place, and mm-hmm. so they're running to sure. that place. And, and as and as as, in, as inexperienced receivers, they don't know to break off their route or or look for the soft spot in the zone or what have you. I mean, they're just go, they're probably taking the coaching and they're running to that spot. To yeah. find, and because our game plans never change. If their defensive backs have ever watched our, any of our game tape, which they obviously had, they knew exactly where to stand because they knew exactly where <laughs> right. we were going to go. Right. And I, what I didn't understand is like last year, I do not remember us throwing into the flat constantly. Mm-hmm. I don't remember us running draws yeah. and screens constantly. It's like, I guess maybe it belies that they had zero confidence in our receivers or something, but our game plans from last season to this season seem to change so drastically. I mean, what I remember basically about our game plans in the Matty Mock era before this season was, we're going deep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, fuck I mean, it, we're going yeah, deep. We're going, fuck yeah. it, we're going deep. Hansborough's going to run, then fuck it, we're going deep. And they didn't seem to do that nearly as much with a quarterback who could probably throw the ball further with yeah, a more accurately down the field. When, they when definitely not. were skeptical of his youth, and they were also skeptical of the young receiver's ability to get space. And I think skeptical of the offensive Which, line. I think that's why you saw the throws in the flats right, you and the need, draws you and need the screens. Time. It's like the pressure's going to be there. Almost immediately, which, because Josh Henson takes such a beating, we almost forget to mention how bad A.J. Ricker's line played mm-hmm. and how many people thought that was a bad hire when it happened because he had really didn't have much of a track record or any, uh, yeah. any, any real signs of success as a position coach, and yet he was hired because he was a true, true son, son uh, despite the fact that he obviously has zero coaching ability when it comes to the offensive mm-hmm. line. Well, I thought one of the best headlines, and I can't remember to give credit to someone, so I just won't. Um, is that it's a great policy? Yeah, it's, it works out pretty well. Is Mizzou needed a prodigy at quarterback, and we got a really good freshman, right, or something along those lines? Well, yeah, that, like we, we, needed, we talked about last week. He's talented, mm-hmm. but he's not a transcendent talent where right. he can just overcome will, all the other yeah, weaknesses. Will it all? I mean, right. he, there's so few of those guys. I mean, yeah, Aaron exactly. Rodgers is that guy like at a, at a uh, NFL level where he can. It doesn't matter who's around him; he just seems to make his team. Yeah. You know, just that much better, but that is not Drew Locke. And maybe, God willing, maybe he'll become something like that. Maybe he'll become a great college quarterback. But under these circumstances, as a freshman, well, but this is what I fear, though: is is will he? I mean, so it's been has Josh Henson broken him? Well, well <laughs> Josh Henson, and, and to some extent, Gary Pinkle. I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll pose this question to you guys. I mean, obviously, remember the Chase Daniel era, era, which is probably one of the best quarterbacks, at least that I have seen Mizzou oh. Mizzou play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, At, but I don't remember. I don't remember him progressing he was just a very good talent good game manager through the spread the ball around we did that spread offense and things and it worked out well so i don't know that i've ever really there, seen mizzou develop truly develop a quarterback well there's i don't know I, you know brad smith became a much better quarterback as time went on i agree with that uh, a balanced quarterback okay. i mean yeah. he was just a running quarterback and he became a pretty good dual threat franklin i saw him develop and even but until you got to mock, I think, and even Blaine Gabbert, who was never, never as good as you wanted him to be or expected him to be, you know, I I feel like all those guys got at least incrementally better. Whereas, yeah. like with Mock, he just continued to regress. True. And with Locke, I just I feel like I looking back now, I almost wish they would have redshirted him and let Eddie Prince play and not played him under these extraordinarily poor circumstances. But I also feel like he, to your point about Chase Daniels, looked like everybody said he's the best-looking quarterback in spring 
camp that we've ever seen since Chase Daniels. The right. most game-ready, ready-to-play. I mean, at that point, everybody was thinking, feeling pretty optimistic about Locke and the team overall, but we didn't know just how bad this team was going to be offensively. Yeah, well, I tell you We should have known, if you think about it. The thing is, guys, it's, there's going to be a massive reboot now with the Pinkle era complete. Yeah, And, uh, sure. you know, the good news is that it's going to be a completely new regime, and whoever comes in, there's going to be a dramatic focus on this offense, and, and Locke's going to have someone new to... to mentor him and to take him under his wing and uh and i'll tell you what why don't we take our break and then get back and talk about the new era and the new coaching search it's gotten to a crazy level of rumor speculation and head scratching i mean god only knows it's tuesday night as we record by the time it goes up we may have a fucking coach but let's take our break and then let's talk about this coaching search and, and and think about who might be here to head the tigers and lead our offense back into scoring double digits per game. Boy, that's, that's that seems like a huge mountain to climb right now. Brandon. <laughs> it sure does. Those nine point games. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, this is the Mazzotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Pull up your pants. We're back. And as promised, we said we we're going to talk about the coaching changes here at Missouri and who we might be considering. And uh, as we are recording, I think Colin pulled up on Twitter a little news. And if it's accurate, I know not always Twitter is accurate because I think last week I said Les Miles was getting fired from LSU, which was Twitter bullshit. So Yeah, the uh, columnist for a Memphis, Tennessee paper just tweeted out, uh, Memphis has decided to move on from Barry Odom. It's over. Story to come. So this, to me, says two things. Either they got sick of waiting on Barry Odom, or Barry Odom may have a job that hasn't been announced yet, which is the other side of that coin. Yeah, and I mean, we have been saying since the get-go that we thought Odom looked like the guy. Well, and it's based on what we've been hearing, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know... And uh, yeah, the talk uh, around town has been uh, Odom looked like the, if not the number one candidate, the the the, the odds on favorite, the odds on favorite, low hanging fruit, something like that. And so that you know, I've heard people say the longer this drags out, the more it looks like Odom. And then other people say uh, the longer this goes, the more it looks like they're trying to find anybody but Odom. But I feel uh, like it's due diligence. I feel like they know they've got Odom in their back pocket, but they wouldn't be doing their job. Uh, Mac Rhodes wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't talk to some people. Yeah, no, I agree, especially when uh, Rick became open after losing his job at Georgia. I feel like regardless of what happened, Rhodes couldn't come out and hire somebody and say, no, we never talked to Rick. No, we never explored that. He had to explore that Yeah, I almost feel like, based on what we'd been hearing, Brennan, that maybe Odom would have already been named if Rick hadn't been fired. I feel like at that point they're like, 
everything, the brakes slam on, and they go, "All right, now we have to talk to this guy before we can do offer I, anybody the job." I think it. I think though, I, I think I'll take a different take on that. I think that what it is is they've they're looking for somebody who has some head coaching experience mm-hmm. um, and kind of trying to measure how much stock they put in that compared to someone who knows the program in and out but doesn't have that big-time head sure. coaching experience. Well, they certainly have to talk to guys with head coaching experience. I think experience this process them, sure. has been accelerated in a, in a manner um, in that I anticipated that uh, Gary Pinkle would continue to coach before he, all this news came out. Odom would end up being Memphis's head coach, and then when Gary Pinkle retired, Odom would return. And so all of this plan to have Odom coach at Mizzou became, became very accelerated. But as the coaching candidates thin – I feel like it's more Odom than ever because now the candidates that we're talking about are, I almost feel like a little bit of reaches. You know, you're you're probably not going to get ricked. He's interviewing at Miami, a place where he used to play. Tom Herman is re-upped with Houston, though apparently he has not actually signed the contract yet, but they have agreed in principle to a contract. Fuentes went to Virginia Tech. Fuentes went to Virginia Tech. So the big names you've been hearing have all kind of started to fall into place, and so now are you going to hire Odom or are you going to go and get somebody with head coaching experience? But I think the candidates, Brennan, are like Matt Wells at Utah State. Um, who's the guy from Cal? Sonny Dykes. Yeah. So, I mean, and nothing against those guys, but you're talking about people that aren't necessarily names or, or at least, in my opinion, hot candidates that you may know, not be a bigger deal than hiring Barry Odom. And, and those are the names we're hearing tonight. And like I said, by the time we put this up, we may have a coach. Who knows? But – I also feel like as this is dragged on, it does seem like it's dragged on and on. I know it's not been a lot of time, but to Tigers fans, it feels like a lot of time. There has been a carousel of these sort of mid-major guys who, uh, I mean, I know Cal's not a mid-major, but a lot of these guys like Matt Wells, you know, we we talked about the coach at Temple, talk about the coach at Toledo. Yeah. Guys like that have come and then gone, and are we hiring them, are we not hiring them? You know, Odom has consistently been in that mix. And the the downside of Odom, I don't know if it's downside, but it's a question mark, is Odom is no doubt a great defensive mind, and our struggle, our need is an offensive coach. And who does he bring in as an offensive coordinator if he were right. to come on board versus hiring a guy like a, a Rick who may be a dream coach that's out of reach, but as an offensive guy has mentioned he wants to work with quarterbacks, and we know he can run an offense. Well, I think – that's leads credence to the point that like Richt is like I said a a, very, a, a big get. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure Mizzou and many other universities would like to get him, and that's why maybe it throws the brakes on things a little bit. But once you get beyond Richt and the other candidates are all basically been hired, I mean, what is left is the question. And to me, because Odom, like I said, we're not replacing a fired coach here. Mm-hmm. They basically want to keep things rolling down the same tracks, and Odom gives you that ability. Um, where hiring a new coach turns your program on its ear a bit. And so turning your program on the ear with a marked Richt doesn't sound like such a bad thing, but bringing, on, bringing in a coach from Utah State to turn your program on its ear, you know, like I said, we're not trying to, to, to reinvent the wheel here at Missouri. We're just trying to keep consistently winning SEC East. My fear all along, I've kept saying, is that my you know you let Odom go, you let Odom go to a place like Memphis, and hire somebody else that you, is an unknown commodity, and then Odom has massive success at a Memphis, and we don't, and then you say, oh, the guy we had in our own backyard 
we let slip away. Yeah. Now, that's you can't read the tea leaves and you can't look into the future and know that. But but it is a fear, and it will make it will make Mac Rhodes look bad if that were to happen. And he's got to be aware of that as well. I, something else I don't I haven't heard very many people point out is that um, yeah, uh, Barry Odom is in house. He's under Coach Pinkle, and he's learned a lot from Coach Pinkle, no doubt. But he was also under the hottest coaching candidate in the country in Fuentes. Right. So he, who was an offensive minded coach, I mean, Barry Odom got to study at his foot. Yeah. footsteps or whatever and now he's been under gary pinkle so yeah he's never been a head coach but it's not just gary pinkle's experience he can draw from he can draw from fuentes who by all accounts is a really good p- football coach and, and then nothing get the but good to things to that. say yeah. about odom odom is a safe choice i mean there, there there's no doubt if you if if mac rhodes and his first you know major hire as athletic director picks him and even if things go wrong it's a pretty safe Pick. Yeah, my advocating for Odom is more or less just based on I don't see a much, much better candidate that's obtainable for Mizzou. Well, and I don't think we've often had guys like Odom of his caliber who are major coaching candidate caliber yeah, guys. I'm going to coach somewhere. You know, we hired Kim Anderson, and there was a lot of, I don't know, oh, it, doesn't, it seems like an overly safe candidate. This is not that. Cheap candidate. Yeah, it, this is not that. I mean, you know, I yeah, still wish this Kim guy Anderson wasn't gonna well, coach but Mizzou, he's going to coach someplace else. Right. Yeah. And this guy's on track to go be a head coach. The, the question mark about Odom is, would he keep Kuligowski on board? I mean, I, I don't know that that's a guaranteed yes, because, you know, keep in mind that Odom was hired over Kuligowski as defensive coordinator by right. Pinkle. One, is there something about Kuligowski that we think, oh, maybe he's not ready to be our coordinator? And two, does he have ill will? You know, I mean, does he look at Odom as not – are they not best buddies, you know, because they were competing for the same job? Well, I almost – I my expectation, honestly, almost is, is that if Odom becomes the head coach, Kugelgowski becomes the defensive coordinator. Yeah, but that's not a guarantee. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that that's one of the things that I almost anticipate. But I, you guys bring up a point that I hadn't really considered, and that maybe these guys don't, you know, I'm not saying they don't dislike one another, but you know, it is co- college coaching is a very competitive environment. So I, th- one name that, that hasn't been mentioned yet, I don't, at least I don't think it has that. That I would fully support is Troy Calhoun, uh, Air Force's head coach right now. Really, he, he's had uh, he's rumored to be interviewing as well, and he's had some pretty successful seasons at Air Force. Which I feel like, if you have success at, at don't they run some crazy split T, three fullbacks on the field, weird offense though? I mean, it, that's Navy. Okay, um, <laughs> they they have boats. This, these guys have right. planes. One okay, one gotcha. flies in the air, the other's on water. One has a lightning bolt in their helmet. Yep, that's that's true. There we go. You got that one. You're on it now. Nailed it. And Uh, that is college football analysis (laughs) 101. But I think that, uh, you know, someone who's had success at at one of the military academies, that's impressive to me because, let's be honest, there's a certain type of person who goes to that. um, Yeah, it's a different type of recruiting. Right. That honestly scares me more than an. And it, it, I mean, even if he's had success there, I just feel like that is such a foreign environment to college, what is typical in college football. Like, I feel like if this is this guy's only head coaching experience, he doesn't have college head coaching experience in a manner of speaking. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. On the recruiting trail in a power five conference. Do you know what I mean? It just it that worries me a little bit, honestly. Yeah, but he's got head coaching spirit. He was the and you were talking about offensive mind. He was the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. So I mean, he he has that uh, pedigree. Yeah. So I I think I 
I'd be happy with with him. I think Odom he, again. He really is the safe choice, and I think that that that's fine if we go with him. I don't think anybody's going to blink twice. I think Odom in applying for this job has to put together an offensive plan and an offensive coordinator to to suggest to Mac Rhodes, this is who I will bring in. This is my strategy. This is the type of offense I would like to see because that's the question mark, as I said before. Recruiting, I don't think there's a big question mark with Barry Odom in recruiting. He led the Tigers. He was director of recruiting, I think, in 04 and 05 under Pinkle. He knows how the recruiting trail goes. And so I don't worry about that. I just worry about who – does he plan to bring yeah, in an he offense? Is, he is, by most accounts, one of the best recruiters on the staff at Mizzou. Well, and there's something to be said about we've had this pipeline of defensive linemen, and you bring in, you know, you promote your defensive. You want to you wanna continue this defensive dominance we've had. you got to keep that recruiting up, and mm-hmm. so that keeps that in line. So, yeah. again, I, that, that's the e- he is the easy choice well, for and Matt the, listen, the, if it, But it, at the same time, if it's so easy, why are we sitting here talking about this Tuesday night? You well, know, again, Dave has got a brand new AD. He cannot just hire an in-house. I mean, he he cannot just hire the in-house guy and flip it over that quickly. I mean, it looks bad. I mean, mm-hmm. even if he knew from the time Pinkle announced that he wanted to hire Barry Odom, he cannot do that. You know, mm-hmm. he could, he's got to do his due diligence. And I feel like maybe it's taking longer than we would like, but I feel like that's what he's doing right now. And the biggest upside for me for Odom, if he is going to be successful, is he's one of the few candidates and maybe the only candidate – that we could hire that I feel like there's a chance where you could have a 15-year Pinkle-esque run where he's not going to use this as some sort of stepping stone. You know, that's the one big knock on Tom Herman. If he were to you bring him to MU and you have success and then Texas fires Charlie Strong in the next two right. years, he's Tom gone. Herman, boom, he's gone if Texas comes calling. Well, tell me, guys, if you think this report is true that Memphis has passed on Odom or is done talking to him, Memphis seemed very keen on having Odom yeah. on board. One has to think that that is an indicator that uh, he is coming to terms with Rhodes, and it's almost done. That's, I mean, if I was putting money down, that's what I'm saying is, is they've moved on. Odom moved on from them. They didn't move on from Odom. Odom's like, um, we're, we're we're pounding out the details of this contract, fellas. Um, not going to be your coach, and they like, and because that's the way they always do it. Yeah, they, they it's they they they. I don't like you until you like me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They never. <laughs> They, they they always say that we have walked away from this candidate because they're never going to say the coach told us no. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's but ultimately, I think that's what happens. Oftentimes, um, is the coach says no or he's looking for a better option. There's never going to have an athletic department just go. He said, "Fuck all." It's hard to know because the the rumor mill has been swirling so fast. Earlier today, we were hearing very credible sources saying that. Memphis was going to announce Odom as their head coach within 24 hours. Then a few hours later, we were hearing that Odom was having contentious arguments with the athletic director, yeah. and, and it was not going well. So who do you believe? You don't know what to believe. Yeah, everybody's no, got a, every, every, every source has a source that's telling you about their sources. Yeah, and, and all you can do is, I mean, everybody, us included, say, oh, sources are telling us. We know who our sources are, but anybody can say they have a source. Mm. Not everybody says credible, reliable, and independent and just thoughtful and professional as the Mazad cast. No, yeah, yeah no. that's that's definitely true. It's, but I think I think so. I, I think we should shift directions here a little bit, though. So we've we've hashed out. I think all of us agree. Barry Odom, good hire if you can get him. Right. But let's say we hire Gary Odom tonight. Did you say Gary Odom? 
Yes, I did. I don't know why. <laughs> well, uh, I think Gary Odom would be cousin. a good choice as well. Yeah, yeah, his cousin, uh, Barry, his little known obviously. brother, Gary. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say let's say you hire him, and uh, what do we expect? I mean, what what is what a realistic expectations, expectations for, a for a brand new coach coming in, looking at looking at the offense that we just had, looking at defense, and then not only just next year, but then just sort of okay, you had it for a couple of years now. What are your well, I think Gary Pinkle has set the bar there pretty high, and that um, expectations will be SEC East championships at least once every recruiting class. Do you know what I mean? Like you're gonna every every recruiting class is gonna have this three or four year cycle. And within that class, you need to be winning a double-digit, have a double-digit win season, and and have that SEC East title in your back pocket. I I think that um, a lot of Tiger fans, because of how the season spiraled, are a little bit pessimistic. But I think going into twenty sixteen, if we have leadership in place and quality coaching. I think people might be forgetting about what a good position we actually really are in. I mean, this season I mentioned what a what a train wreck it was with all the unforeseen things that happened up until even the Terry Beckner injury at the end of the season. You know, next year we're going to have a sophomore quarterback who's got all the skills in the world and a season of SEC play under his belt. We'll have receivers who weren't necessarily impressive, but we'll have another season under their belt as well of experience and knowledge. And you know, a defense that is gangbusters. We're getting a lot of people back on that defense, including Harold Brantley and the, Terry Beckner. The biggest part of our defense that worries me is that we're going to lose uh, Dennis and Penton. So mm-hmm. we're going to lose our two starting defensive, defensive backs, and that's that's a little bit scary. It is, but, I mean, you're always going to be losing somebody. Sure. And to think about Harold Brantley and Terry Beckner Jr. being on playing side by side. Side by side and on the possibly defense line. Charles Harris on one side, and for sure Walter Bradley. Brady. Brady. Good God, God you in names. <laughs> I know. But anyway, you're going to have Brady and, and hopefully Harris. Harris made a statement uh, a week or two ago basically saying that he didn't come here to leave or whatever or something of that like. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That, I believe that whenever. Well, and then they, and then he, go gets his, he goes and gets his draft grade, as college athletes are uh, allowed to do. They basically mm-hmm. – Go. There's a NFL has a branch that where you can submit your uh, your name and they'll say here's our projection for your draft and when that projection comes back top ten first round, which maybe that's optimistic, but he looks every bit as good as like you know Shane Ray to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, well, and then he's going to go we're losing yeah. Kentrell Brothers and his ten to fifteen tackles a game as well. Well, he's also watched. He just watched Terry Beckner Jr. fuck up his knee. So you. you Say he gets a first round grade, yeah, and he just watched one of his line mates uh, blow up his knee, and he goes, "You know what? I'm going to take this lottery ticket. I'm going to cash it." And yeah. who could blame him? Not me. I but if he would. doesn't, you've got a very, very stout offensive line. So yeah, how often? Line, like, but how often do you expect Mizzou to have double digit wins? It, well, expect want. I mean, I, everybody wants. I expect at least once. Uh, realistically, every three my my hope what is was that? once every three seasons. Three seasons. Would be my expectation. My, yeah, and, and you know, my hope is that we make a hire that's wise enough that we continue at least pinkle level success, which is I, I think what you're saying. Ten wins every three seasons or so. And I'm sure Pinkle's just blowing smoke, but he says there's there's steps that this this uh, program can take and. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's blown so they can't happen, but it's that's a lot to ask because Pinkle's had a great deal of success. I mean, the last nine seasons he's had like five double digit wins. You know, he's been the Cotton Bowl and won it twice, and and another factor been Colin, to four championship games, and it's it's a lot. 
and, and another factor is the East is a division where you can have success. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the West is tougher. There's well, no right, doubt about that. Right I mean, now it is. But I think that's one of the things that you have to look at, too. Because so a 10-win a season, let's assume you play your four out of conference that you mm-hmm. can win. You should um, win. And then that means you got to win six conference games mm-hmm. and you only have two conference losses. That I mean, or five wins and get a bowl, Florida, win, and that'll get you there too. Well, true, but I'm thinking kind of going into. But still, that. that's a double digit win season. But uh, you know, Florida is on the rise right. again. Georgia, yeah, the, 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 the new coach, who knows what happens on the rise. Tennessee, South Carolina, new coach, who knows what happens there. Tennessee's on the rise. Well, I'm this year, what, we saw the traditional powers sort of reestablish themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but I mean, you've got Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. In my mind, as every year you got to worry about, and you have to play Arkansas every year well, too. Who, I'll tell you who worries me that. because at college, at the college level, I feel like the coach makes such a huge difference. Is that Florida seems to have it going because they they finally McElwain stable, seems like he knows yeah, what the fuck he's yeah, doing. Yeah. Whereas I don't trust Butch Jones, and I and I don't know who George is going to have. But it sounds like sure. maybe Kirby Smart from Alabama, and, be and a good hire. that you never know what the. He's got this, you know, Alabama shine on him, but Muschamp had a shine on him too when he went to yeah. Florida and then That's failed right. miserably. I think Georgia fans may uh, rue the day they fired Mark Richt because Kirby Smart may uh, not prove to be all that smart when yeah. he doesn't have Nick Saban at his back. Well, that's why you know I would love to see uh, Mark Rick stay in the SEC and then just beat Georgia year after year, like yeah. no matter where he went. Just, just <laughs> that would be the the best sort of. Yeah. My, my point going into that conversation was only that under normal circumstances, if you are having the success that you expect a coach to have in the East, you're going to have Vanderbilt and Kentucky, which should be a win in every year if you're in any serious contention for anything. Mm-hmm. So there you've got two in-conference wins that you don't necessarily have in the West, yeah. um, which is good. So if and you then, win your four non-cons and you win those two games, you've got six wins, you're, you're already bowl eligible. South Carolina is a complete fucking wild card at, at this point, if you ask me. I mean, they, they traditionally have not been that good. Spurrier took them to another level. Who, where they're going to go now, right. one can only guess. And, I've uh, heard Muschamp. Oh, God, I know. I've heard that for his, well. I mean, this is a guy who failed miserably as a head coach, went to Auburn, and didn't improve their defense, and now he's... No. Possibly their head coaching one, candidate. <laughs> one thing I've learned in Missouri's short time in the SEC is that they fucking love retreads. Mm-hmm. That he's it, done it before in this conference. So by God, yeah. If it's a name you know, even if they're not that great, they'll put you ahead of a guy who maybe. I would successful much rather roll the dice on a mid-major guy who maybe has some some magic than a retreaded Muschamp who, by all accounts, ran a ramshackle inmates run the asylum program. Um, that McElwain yeah. basically spent half the season undoing well, that, <laughs> the damage that he'd done to the program. That I think shows you, if anything, is a big indicator on a on a head coach. It's you you leave, and the next guy comes and takes over with your exact same players and wins the you know conference more. Or less. And McElwain took which a couple what, of shots across his did. bow too, basically alluding to the fact that what a lackadaisical like mindset the team and the it had i mean it was they just weren't taking things seriously and uh yep. that that was the problem at florida and it, I, it was the problem because now he's taking the same team like you said right. and turned them into a winner so right. it was obviously the coaching but and but uh, anyway the, i think that just illustrates that 
Pinkle has had success, and this is no no means to diminish what he's done. You know, in the SEC, four years in the SEC, two ten win plus seasons, two losing seasons in the SEC as well, though, and that shows you kind of the up and down and how difficult it can be. But I think we also caught Georgia when they were down ish, uh, Florida when they were really down, you know, South Carolina in this kind of turmoil of the downside of superior side Tennessee was nothing Vanderbilt's obviously been Vanderbilt so Kentucky's been Kentucky it so Mizzou has has had a little bit of help in the last four years and you got to expect that you'll get that a couple of times you know every because again you know recruiting class coaches come and go coordinators come and go but I don't know that you'll always see Georgia Florida Tennessee in in beatable position. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I att- uh, agree with that. First of all, I don't think. First of all, South Carolina, I don't think was down up until this year. I mean, they, the twenty thirteen year, we were they were neck and neck with us for the SEC East title. They were a very good team. Uh, Georgia wasn't necessarily down at all either. They last year they were in contention for the SEC East title. They beat the shit out of us at home, mm-hmm. and um, they had one or uh, a couple bad losses that put them out of the ring. I guess that's what I'm saying. But they I weren't necessarily they, took some they weren't losses. necessarily down. Florida was down, but but you know Tennessee was down. But I don't know that they're ever going. to – I mean Tennessee has had a success in the past, but I think a. If we're a good Missouri program, we can go head to head with the Tennessee and and well, beat them. Th- Maybe not every year, I but think, we can expect to beat a Tennessee. I think we are falling into the trap of of falling of the self-aggrandizing that these programs do because you say that they're not always going to be down. But what does up mean? I mean, yeah, Georgia was really good at a time, but it's not like they've been world beaters in the last decade. Tennessee no, had Peyton Manning, and since then has not been a world true. beater. Very true. Um, South Carolina was before Spurrier got there was kind of a perennial doormat. Yeah, and Florida, South Carolina, I think is yeah. Florida had Tim Tebow, and before him, um, and God. Well, but I mean, and Florida has been up in the past, but I think it's been mm-hmm. it's been a peak with valleys in between that these teams have I, all had. They've oof. they're not. I don't know band. that I would say Florida has has necessarily been peaks when they won national championship. They did win national championship, Brian, but what I'm saying is is they also had their valleys, as does Georgia, sure, as does sure, Tennessee. Sure. They are not the the West teams like of Alabama who seems to win so consistently. Well and, but you're you're illustrating my point then that we've we've caught in our two Good seasons. We've caught those teams. What in I'm valleys. saying is, is that I don't necessarily know that these teams in these stretches have been in valleys. I feel like we may be too in love with the grandeur that these programs like to paint themselves with. Well, that, but that's how you recruit. Are that's they how really? You get, are they really? That's that how you get Tim Tebow. Have they that's been that much get. better than Mizzou? No, Mizzou in the Big Twelve was competing for championships. Mizzou has been a consistent winner. As have these teams, but not at a national championship level. Neither has Mizzou. I would say that these teams are much more on par with Mizzou than any of these teams would love to admit. And that is why I feel like... But their image is... Their image is better. And they've won national championships. Right. And that's what's building. As we continue images. to win, the image will but change. The, but, our, but what I'm saying is, is if you compare these teams side by side over the past 15 years, their peaks will be higher. And you, when you talk about a Georgia and a Florida... But they aren't consistently better than Mizzou. They're more, much more Mizzou on a consistent basis than they are in Alabama, and which is why I feel like even with 
the, the narrative that the East has been so down, and that is why Mizzou succeeded, I feel like is a little bit horseshit. Honestly, I feel like Mizzou's better than we're giving them credit for, and I feel like these teams are worse than we're giving them credit for. And at for the same time, times. while you can't expect Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina to all be down at the same time, I don't think you can expect them all to be up at the same well, time. Well, one or two may be world beating. Not a, not all four of them will be at the same Maybe time. Maybe that's the biggest difference is that they they all fall in hard times at the same time, but at any given time. That's probably not going to happen. But I just feel like this team's, these teams' best seasons are comparable with Mizzou's best seasons in a lot of circumstances. If you take away the Tebow years or – you know what I mean? I just don't know that they're that much grander than Mizzou. I think, I, I think the, the issue with that is if Mizzou can continue the success we've had recruiting on, on the defensive side of the ball and continue that just like pipeline of NFL talent on the defensive line – I think that starts to even the playing field out. But when you are top, you know, running back in the country and you're looking at places to play, you're not considering Mizzou. You well, might if you're from if you're from Florida, which has produces those, not you yet. consider we haven't Florida. been in the SEC that long. And oh, uh, it, well, we will well, never get the top running back. Well, maybe not, Brian. Never. Maybe not. I, I I will tell you that that's that is probably especially in the South a long shot. What but. What I'm saying is that if you take the last decade of success that Mizzou had in the Big 12 and you take that success and you transfer it to the SEC. Which I don't think you can do. Well, maybe not. But yeah. again, how much credit are you willing to give the SEC? Like, it, again, it, are we, I feel like I'm arguing against the SEC now. But what I'm saying is, is that if you take those seasons and you put them in the SEC, then we are Florida. We are Georgia. I, I feel like because – our entire history has been erased in the Big 12 and our competitive nature in the Big 12. I mean, when we played Kansas at Arrowhead, they were ranked second in the nation. And we were like ranked, what was it, fourth or something? For, the, for, yeah. So, well, uh, oh, we were first after that game. That's but what, it was, but so. what I'm saying is, is it's easy to forget that just because we were in the Big 12, we weren't playing Division three football. Great story. Yeah. So fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think just when we talk the expectation games, I think – Mizzou fans under Pinkle, we've been lulled into this sense of we expect, like all fans everywhere, right? We expect more than I think is realistic. Perhaps. I, I mean, but at the same time, if you don't have those expectations, you fall back into becoming a Vanderbilt. And well, true. Just like Georgia has true. these expectations that they should win a national championship every year. They fire a coach who wins nine to ten games every yep. year. But, it, you know, without those expectations, maybe they're not going to win a championship right. ever they're, again. I can't argue against that. So, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you know, if you build it, they will come, I guess. Uh, only thing I can say is that uh, we've talked a lot about Mizzou, but there's another state directly to our west that's also very important to us and that's the state of kansas and, and i think we need to check in on them now well, i always heard there were three kinds of suns in kansas sunshine sunflowers sons of bitches this is kansas news it is time for kansas news guys and i have a story for you from the wichita eagle Wichita is listed as the laziest city in Kansas, which I have to think puts it high in the running for laziest city nationwide. Or worldwide. I think. <laughs> Possibly worldwide. Wichita is the laziest city in Kansas, according to an online news and opinion site at 24-7 Wall Street. 
the site ranks laziness by number of residents who report they engage in physical activity in their leisure time. Three-fourths of Wichita's report they exercise in their leisure time, according to the website, but Wichita's exercise rate is less than 1%. So anyway, Kansas often ranks low in polls, and Wichita is at the bottom of Kansas's poll, which has to mean that Wichita is one of the shittiest towns in one of the shittiest states in the country. I yeah, think. that's 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 like being the worst case of AIDS. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the AIDS is just bad on the whole. <laughs> mm-hmm. but you are the worst case of AIDS. Right. right. I mean, if you're going to rank AIDS cases, I think at the top of the list, the best, mm-hmm. you got to go with Magic Johnson. Sure. It's like, sure, yeah, absolutely. He's like <laughs> nailing AIDS. Yeah. And then you got like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. There, right, that's at the, at the bottom. bottom. Somewhere yeah. in the middle is Charlie Sheen, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. We'll yeah. see after the lawsuit. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, what? What? You are Wichita. Yeah, Wichita is Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. So let's go to the next story. Poor Philadelphia. Kansas man sentenced for possessing sixteen thousand. Child pornographic images. Oh my God! Was his name Jared Fogle? Ugh, Topeka, Kansas man, or uh, out of Topeka, Kansas, AP story: A Garden City man was sentenced to more than six years in federal prison for having sixteen thousand child pornographic images. U.S. Attorney Barry Grissom says a forty-three-year-old man, Jerry McGrary, this is obviously a federal to- crime. It's going to be prosecuted in federal court because it's not a crime in Kansas. <laughs> That's right. It's, it is perfectly at the legal state level. at the state level oh, in yeah. Kansas. In fact, encouraged, I think, by some. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's sentenced to six and a half years for the possession of child pornography. Since in October 2012, an investigator with the Ford County Sheriff's Office found a computer sharing pornography on a file-sharing network. The investigator searched his home. They found a laptop containing the 16,000 child Yeah, a little-known byline is that the state of Kansas has actually offered Jared Fogle asylum. <laughs> right, as a hero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, he's not going to be able to get there. Obviously, he's in custody. But if he could get there... Kansas has offered him asylum. That's a lot of porno. That that's okay. That was yeah. I had I had two comments about this story, right? One is that I'm always just, you know, blown away that they have internet in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and two, two is Oh sweet irony. Yeah. And two is sixteen thousand of anything, like how long would it take you to look through that? Like think of it what? Obviously guy, the guy has a lot of devotion and passion. Yeah, he's got a he's got a passion. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of a uh, lot of pornography. A, a lot of child pornography. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lot of any kind of pornography, but it's a tremendous amount of child pornography. Yeah, let's. My see. question is, and maybe this is a bad question to ask: Where in the fuck do these people get child pornography? Who's producing this stuff? Where does it come from? Uh, I, it's disgusting. I, it's how so, do you? Where does this? Kansas bathrooms. Well, I, I think if you want answers to that question, you are going to have to drive a good two hours west, uh-huh. and then ask. Anyone you meet, I will. I just go bad. <laughs> well, I think Colin gets arrested in yeah, Kansas no. for asking about child. No, I will not be arrested in Kansas. Yeah, no, as no. long as I cross that state line, <laughs> no, well they'll be like, well, "I'm glad you asked, young man. <laughs> Let, Let me tell you, tell you. how much time you got." No, you yeah. know what they're going to do? Is they're going to "Are you fed?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last story. Clean our palate a little bit out of that nastiness. Kansas man spent Saturday trying to beat a Guinness World Record uh, to, out of Topeka, Kansas. A Kansas Was it for child pornography because <laughs> <laughs> he's thousand probably won't do against, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a Kansas man is attempting to set a world record on Saturday doing something most people probably don't enjoy. Fifty-five-year-old Tim Kanicki had twelve hours to compete, complete over forty-two hundred and ten pull-ups to beat the Guinness World Record. 
Kanicki said he's doing it to raise money for the Topeka Relay to Life. He is morbidly obese and did one pull. <laughs> <laughs> he said he is inspired by his father. He lost his. Uh, I lost my dad to cancer. He was the one that kept me going because he always proud of me and wanted. I wanted to make him proud one more time. Kanicki, you didn't. He's dead. <laughs> had to bring cancer into this. Yeah, he's, he's dead. He, he can't be proud of you. Yeah, he needed to do 4,200 push-ups. He completed 2007. <laughs> uh, despite his shortcomings, he was still able to raise almost $1,000. Oh, my God. Good. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, is I feel that like... Is good? He, I don't... I, I think feel like Kansas right now, it probably if you said, is. If you said if you wanted to... If you had a worthy charity, I could write you a check right now for one thousand dollars. Yeah, I would. I would pay a thousand dollars not to watch a fat Kansas man do pull-ups. That's probably what we're talking about. Kansas dollars, isn't that kind of like the yen? Where yeah, the like, exchange rate is definitely. <laughs> yeah. it's their their currency is basically bottle caps, yarn, marbles, shoestrings. I mean, it's that's, yeah. it's yeah. it's a barter system and a good hen. Yeah. So if it's a, so if it's a thousand dollars U.S. dollars, I mean that's like what a million Kansas dollars. Yeah, like so that, that's million, Brian, pretty good then. Exchange exactly yeah, I mean, I'm considering most don't make $1,000 in a year in right. Kansas. Yeah, and it's not bad. So I, maybe we're selling them a little short. Last story is an important one. Kansas football last weekend. Uh, we weren't the only ones to have a football game on Saturday. It looks like the Kansas Jayhawks played History their was made. hated in-state rival, Kansas State. Yeah, they were going for a record. Brian, why don't you tell us the score of that Kansas football game? Yeah, so Kansas-Kansas State in the game of the year in Kansas – uh, K State defeated the Jayhawks forty-five to fourteen. Fourteen points, nice. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of the fourteen points. I'm a little <laughs> two yeah. touchdowns. That's exactly. So, what did that bring the record to, Brian? Well, uh, we had to go back and check the tape on this just to make sure I had it right because I couldn't really believe it. And believe it or not, they had an undefeated esque season. Only opposite. Know. If you look at a mirror, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and they went zero and twelve. Oh, and 12. One of the worst seasons in college football history. Yeah. And, yeah. and not just only. Just we could have seen history just a little bit to mm-hmm. our west. Uh-huh. Not just, only was it just a, a history because of the 0 and 12, but keep in mind their first loss of the season was to South Dakota State, mm-hmm. who it was the first time that South Dakota State ever beat. Uh, yeah, Power Five, five, five team. team. The uh, they also lost a game on a fumbled snap mm-hmm. when they were trying that, to spike the ball South for a Coast field State. goal. Oh, just, that was South Dakota. It, it was the Kansas Kansas thing that ever Kansas. Yeah, had. it's <laughs> the guy fell over while he tried to spike the ball. Clock's running, and gets every, up, tries to spike it again, spikes it with zero seconds left. And in a chorus, you can hear here in Columbia, Missouri, they're all going, wait for basketball season, Kansas State, yeah. and everybody yes. else. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't yeah. have the deity of Bill Schneider to help you then. They're going to fuck themselves. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Enjoy dominance of your second-tier sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that is Kansas News for the week. Well, guys, uh, Kansas football is always fun to laugh at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think regardless of what happens with Mizzou's future, we can count on years and years of Kansas... Uh, futility? Futility, ineptitude. Suckitude. Suckitude. All good adjectives to describe Kansas football. Mm-hmm. But let's turn our eyes back to the SEC for a little bit because we are having a championship game this weekend. Florida is playing Alabama. So let's, uh, let's do a little around the horn championship edition for... Uh, the SEC. Jesus loves football. Do we need to bring Paul in for this one game, Colin? Oh, uh, we can. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, let's fire up the old uh, Paul Finebot. 
Nick Saban. Nick Saban. All right. Thanks for joining us, Paul. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you. Okay. Brian, Florida taking on Alabama. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah. So number two team in the country versus a number 18 team in the country. I can't believe Florida. Florida fell to 18 after getting beat by Florida State. I think, I think people have just kind of picked up on they haven't really played anybody. Or yeah. they haven't really played well since they, well, they lost their quarterback and they've been a different team since. Well, yes. and see, they, they also yeah. lost to LSU, who basically fell on their faces. And Florida State is not the Florida State of the last couple seasons right. either. So, Correct. I mean, it's not like you Correct. lost to, you know, Jameis Winston's Florida State. You lost to a, a much less uh, uh, powerful team. So, um, yeah. Florida this, seems to be uh, kind of, I think, rode a wave of, hey, we're getting it together. Mm-hmm. And it's just. It's a long season, and just the wind is a bit, a bit out of their sails. I mean, they're a little tired, a little worn down from yeah. a very long season. I think it could be an ugly game, especially because the real contender in this matchup is Alabama, who is has to win in right. order to maintain their spot in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And Alabama is something like a 17-point favorite in the game. Yeah. And I think they should be. Uh, they, the Florida offense has, has gotten pretty stagnant uh, and uh, – Alabama continues to be Alabama. Nick Saban. Yes, Nick Saban, indeed. And Alabama needs. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of teams vying for those playoff spots. Iowa may lose to Michigan State, so that may free things up a little bit. But ultimately, uh, not that many spots to go around. So, yeah, yeah. Alabama will be bringing their A game. There's no doubt about that. And they are a really good football team. Yes, yeah. Paul. They are. We, we know how you feel about Alabama, Paul. Alabama. Yeah. And I think that you know, if you would have asked anybody at the beginning of the season. You've got the winner of the West versus the winner of the East. Mm-hmm. Everybody always picks is going to pick, pick the, the winner West. of the West. Yeah. You're right about that. And I think you look at this, and and it's exactly. I mean, we as Mizzou fans, we obviously hoped for better from our Tigers. Mm-hmm. You have <laughs> you have the East, who has more or less cannibalized themselves in in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, and then you've got the West with. Alabama, who, although I will say, you know, when you look at the rankings now, Alabama really hasn't beaten anybody. Alabama <laughs> does not look as strong as I have seen Alabama teams look yeah. in this position before, you know. No. So, you know, I, there certainly is a chance for Florida. Uh, I, let's just put this no. I don't feel Slim super, no. super confident in no. Alabama in the playoff. I mean, I, not that they can't win it, but I just—it's not. I don't know that they'd be my odds-on favorite. Right. I think in the playoff, yeah, I, I wouldn't be betting on them. But in this game, I, I think it's pretty sure money to to put on Alabama. Paul, who do you think? Alabama. 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 I, I think you broke. Yeah, he's got a little. He's got a flutter there. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, come on. I think if anything, the more important game to the keep on the radar for. Um, the college football is the Iowa and Michigan State game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the college pl- playoff situation right now, I think you got your four spots. You've got Oklahoma, I think, is actually going to benefit from the Big 12 not having a championship mm-hmm. game this week. Yep. They're, they're currently set at number three, and they don't have any risk in front of them. They are going to ride out. I, I do think the committee likes to pick champions, but they're going to sit the record they have, which is 11-1. and one. The Big Ten will have a representative. The question mark, will it be Iowa or will it be Michigan well, State? Well, I'm going to tell it's you what. The, the winner of this game gets you a spot in the playoffs. It's if like a play-in game. Ohio State is going to leapfrog into the top four if anything falls their way. I mean, because yeah. 
Um, they if, don't want Iowa. If in the, Alabama uh, they, or Clemson lose, I yeah, think, yes. I, Iowa is. They don't want Iowa there. They don't want Clemson there. Honestly, no. they don't like Clemson's schedule either. But Clemson, Clemson is controls it. Yeah, controls its own destiny. Iowa's Contro- undefeated. Clemson and Alabama definitely control their own destiny. And Clemson or Iowa are undefeated, and therefore they cannot be denied at this point. But I don't think anybody feels like these are the two best. Yeah, they deserve to be in that top four. Maybe I think Oklahoma is a shoe in. Yeah. I don't. I don't think no matter no matter who yeah. wins or loses this this upcoming weekend. Yeah, they don't, don't have think, to play. I don't think. Well, right, but they don't I mean, have to put their nuts I mean, the anybody line, so. who's yeah, in hurt front the Big of them Twelve last year, I think it helps them this year. Yeah, um, but the other thing is, yeah, I mean, all the other ones, if, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're in. I think the biggest question mark is it, uh, Florida is going to get beat by Alabama. I mean, I, I think you'd be crazy to not go with Alabama. Clemson is playing North Carolina. That looks like. North Carolina all of a sudden looks. Watch how they, far they, they fall if they lose to. They won't exactly. even be in the top four. And it, regardless of whether Iowa loses, because we know what will happen, Michigan State will take their place. Clemson loses, that throws a wrench in the motherfucker. I mean, and I think it could be another Big Ten school. I think Ohio State happened. could pick up. Let's, that say, spot. So let's say Clemson yeah, and Iowa lose. Okay. You're going to look at Clemson, Iowa, uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, and they've all got, at that point, would have one loss. Of those teams, who do you think they're going to slam into that top four? You know, yeah. if if one lost teams, it's going to be Ohio State. Yeah, you know what I mean, if they take all those teams, and which I'm okay one with, loss, I'm okay yeah, with it too. I'm, I'm okay, saying, except that I hate to see two fucking Big Ten schools. Well, there. what I hate, what I hate yeah. is that I don't necessarily think it's because Ohio State is that much better. It's because it's Ohio State. You're it's right the same about reason that. Oklahoma will probably be given a little longer leash than other teams, even well, if they had a championship game, because they're Oklahoma. Maybe they want college blue chip programs in these in this. This, this but they, playoff. they also have one loss, and under that scenario, I you know it, it would be hard pressed. You know, are you going to jump Stanford over them, who, who have two losses in the? I don't know. Absolutely not. Pack seventy two or whatever. No, the Stanford's out. Called Stanford's there. done. I was so happy to see uh, Notre Dame fall on their face too. Yes. So, Fuck Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about Notre Dame. Yeah. So anyway, I know it's not going to be Missouri Tigers. No, no, it will not be. Yeah, we will not be leapfrogging anyone. No, guys, to the top twenty-five. At the end of this segment, we usually will do We're some... the uh, Tim Tebow leapfrog when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to going to the playoffs. <laughs> the end of these this segment, we usually do um, a pick, and since we don't have any more games in front of us for uh, the the SEC other than the championship game, I'm going to skip over that and uh, ask you to make another pick. Who do you think? will be Missouri's head coach come Saturday. Brian, go. Oh, I, I think the safe money is on uh, my pal Gary. <laughs> Gary, Odom. Gary Odom? Yeah. 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 No, I, I think it'll be I, – I, if I had to put money on it, I think the odds are for Barry Odom. Well, mm-hmm. I, I like that bet. I would, I would pick yeah. Barry, too. I would say the – and this is not. This is basically everyone would argue against this. That isn't a no, but I think the outside shot. There's still an outside shot for Herman. Uh, he has the ink has not dried. He hasn't signed the contract yet. Rhodes knows him, and th- I feel like there's an outside shot. But I feel like it's Odom. But that being said, I don't know. I, Matt Wells seems to be a name that people are starting to warm to. But yeah, Odom just makes too much sense. Given the circumstances, there's no f- clear front runner. If you take Rick out of the equation, which I think he's already out of the equation, yeah. you're just you're choosing from a bunch of no name head coaches or coordinators. So why not take a guy who knows how to run the Missouri ship? All the guys that we've been talking about, the Wellses, the Dykes, the Rules, those guys, 
those guys are going to come up every year. There's going to be yep. 10 of those guys. Yep. Um, now, one guy we haven't talked about that I've been seeing online as a possible candidate, he's not happy where he is, is uh, a guy from the NFL, Bill Belichick. Yeah. We've been talking yeah. about him once so. early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there was Chip Kelly talk early. Did you hear some yeah, of that yeah. shit? Well, I'm going to tell you what. Chip, no, Kelly, I mean, it's, it's Chip Kelly has been right. abysmal this season, and he has been – he is. <laughs> He has the cautionary tale for NFL teams about college coaches who bring in their own system, and I'm going to use this dietary program, and we're going to get the blah, 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 fall on your yeah. face because the NFL is a different animal. But And Chip Kelly does not want to be Patino and look like a complete horse's ass, so he's not going to take a job at USC in the middle of the NFL season. But Chip Kelly is going to be the hot name next year because yeah. he is not going to be Philadelphia's yeah. coach. And it, I think right now Chip Kelly would have loved to have taken the USC job, but doesn't want to be that uh, guy. Doesn't want to be Patino and be yeah. cast or as the Lou biggest, Holtz yeah, or just the Buddy biggest horse and those yeah. guys like that. Here's, here's, the stain. here's the better question though. Pete Carroll before he got on the Seahawks. Yeah. Here's a better question though for you, Brennan, is is kind of like remember when Tiger was dominant and everybody would say Tiger or the field when you when you make the, the picks? Yeah. I think it's so Odom or the field, or any other coach. Yeah, who do you do you think would you take any other name that's floating around? I think or would you say it was you have to take the field. Uh, you know, uh, I would say the field at this point at t- late Tuesday night. But that tweet from Memphis is weighing heavily on my mind. I wouldn't. I would take. I would if if I was putting money on Odom or the field, I would take Odom. I'm well, just, that's what I'm saying. I only say the field yeah. because. It's everybody versus one person. I don't know. I mean, just I'm just looking at it from a purely gambler's odds standpoint. I mean, the field's uh, ultimately a better bet. I feel like. I guess, but it, I, I believe Odom will be would be the choice. But if I was going to actually have to put money on it, I'd probably take the field. Well, well the reason I, I go against that is because of what we read about Memphis yep. saying if it's true. Because if, I've if, seen a lot of shit on Twitter if, that is absolute. If what we read is true, I have to read into that between the lines that I don't, I think Memphis would give him more than 24 hours. If they really wanted him, they have to know that Missouri is his alma mater. They know that that's he's second choice candidate. Well, like I said, but they knew that going in. And if they say we're passing on Barry Odom, it's because Barry Odom has passed on them. Because Twitter is full of misinformation. It's full of, we try to make that. Well, what, what becomes all too apparent is that even the, "Quote unquote reputable press uh, sources don't know what the fuck's going on, and talk as much gobbledygook as anybody. I literally, I, I told you this today on the phone. I like, I think our sources are better than the quote unquote press that mm-hmm. is covering the story. The, I, through this entire cycle, I do think that we've been what we've been hearing and who we've been hearing it from is just as good as anybody else. So certainly, I'll say this: there was a there was a circumstance where Dave Matter reported that University of Missouri is not." engaged a search firm um, to find a head coach. And we've, I've had two independent campus officials tell me that is absolutely not true, that the university certainly is see, has a search firm that it is utilizing to help find a coach. And, uh, I mean, and when I say university officials, I'm talking about top of the line. And so, you know, a, a date, guy like Dave Matter, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, he's wrong. We're right. I mean, yeah. I, I think – when it all comes out, we'll take that to the bank. They'll, you'll know if we had a search firm or not. Well, it's because you know everyone is trying to. They these sources they hear something right that, and even they may not be completely in the know, and they just they validate what somebody else has heard. So it, it's certainly 
rumors feed on themselves even within Well, I think that's part of that gobbledygook right? thing in is that a lot of times these guys, I think, are just feeding off of one another. And not their sources aren't university officials. Their sources are uh, the guy who writes the, – is the beat reporter for the Memphis football team is his right. source. And that's not a source any more than – just reporting Missouri's an AP story. beat writer is a, is, is a source. You know, these guys are reporting basically on what they think is happening with, and because they don't have access to anybody that's really in the know. And, and be fair, I mean, the university athletic department at this point is doing everything within its power to keep this a secret search. Absolutely. I mean, they don't want it out. Yeah. They don't want it blowing up the search process. So, you know, the guys who might have that kind of access are, are meeting, you know, walls and then dopes like us. You know, we have just as good of feelers out there as anybody. Yeah, well, yeah, we're yes, so. pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I like don't mind it. saying it. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to wrap this shit up because yes, we're going uh, long. we've gone a lot longer than usual. But uh, I want to welcome aboard any new listeners we have. It seems like there's been quite an uptick in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's the coaching search or the uh, renewed interest in Tiger football with the release of the uh, great Josh Henson. But uh, welcome aboard, and you can follow us all, every day, all day, on Twitter, at Mazodcast. Also go to iTunes, if you would. Give us a five-star review there, because the number of reviews you have on iTunes jumps you up the rankings and makes it easier for other listeners to find us. And then send us an email, mazodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.mazodcast.com. Anything else, guys? No, I don't think so. All right, well, you know, uh, O'Brien, do you want to do your... Uh, your weekly tweet of the week? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Mazadcast, speaking of Twitter, tw- tweeted out earlier today, this question, is anyone entirely positive that Ryan Rosberg isn't a giant whoopee, whooped cushion filled with refrigerated silly putty? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was uh, a very astute question. And one of our Twitter followers, Prefix6, mm-hmm. clever, uh, that's the number six if you're following at home, Uh, tweeted us back saying smuggling counterfeit Levi's out of Eastern Europe at age 54 isn't easy. Cut him some slack. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fair point. I tell you, I'm no fan of Todd Palmer from the Kansas City Star, but no, he's the worst. He he tweeted, he even tweeted something in reference to like 17 year senior Ryan (laughs) Rossberg. I mean, everybody seems to, to, to acknowledge that this guy looks like he is 51 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you should mention that as we're recording, Missouri got a big win today. In basketball. Against which, the powerhouse that is Arkansas State. Right, so suck it, Arkansas State. Football and basketball, you are defeated. But that will do it, I think, for us. And uh, we'll definitely do another show when the coach has been named because we're going to rip him to shreds, I'm sure. sure. But we will, anyway, cover that as uh, as it happens, whenever that will be. And we will try to bring you all the latest and greatest uh, news and guests throughout the off season. As we did last year, we'll try to make it as frequent as possible, but uh, you know, we have, as we mentioned last week, wives and family members to deal with. So, but until then, thanks for listening. M I Z Z O U go Tigers. Rancid cat turd covered in hair. <laughs>